This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now, because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hello. We're back, Holly. It's amazing. It seems like a hundred years, but you still look the same. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Victoria Stillwell. Hello. I feel like I, I feel I feel a little older. Do I you? Say it's been quite it's been quite a summer. But no, I mean, when was the last time we spoke? Was it around Christmas? I think it's been for the podcast. I think it's been quite a while. Oh no, I, I think it was after that. Was See? it? See, this is how bad. See, when you get older, you lose memory, and I just go ah. No, no, it's not. You know what? I'm going to say it's because we did you've it. been traveling around the world. Yeah. I've been traveling here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And so when we finally kind of ground ourselves for two seconds. That's right. We did a couple. It's too much. And that's why I say sometimes my husband maybe call, call me scattered or something <laughs> a little bit. But um, but it's because of a thousand different things. Right. Life would be easier, I think, if I just had a very simple job mm-hmm. and then... I was mom, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. But I don't. You would go crazy just being simple job and mom. You I could s- not do that. No. I mean, mom, I love that. That's a huge job. That's a job in it's itself. It's a huge job. But and yeah, you've done it no, well. no. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm so used to it. I think mm-hmm. I'm so used to yeah. to traveling and doing so many things right. just as you are. I mean, yeah, every like, single time I see you or I check on your Instagram or I or check <laughs> on any page, you're in someplace different. Someplace different. Yeah, it's been a lot of traveling. I love it. That's why, that's that's my dream. Like, I'm living my dream, which is awesome. I'm so lucky. But, um, yeah, Then, but sometimes I don't get to see, like, when's the last time I actually, I think I saw you weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we caught up and had dinner. Like, that was it. It's hard. It's really hard. That's that's the that's the, the hard part is the balancing act, right? Because you've been overseas a lot. I mean, every time we, I, I text you, when are you back? Well, uh, I'm out of the country until the 8th, and then I'm back, and then I'm, you know, and it's it's tough. It is tough. But you know what? That's what I love about social media is that we can yeah. keep up on social media. If people want to follow you on your Instagram, what is your Instagram name? Um, H Furfer, H-F-I-R-F-E-R. And I would follow because I see all sorts of wonderful places <laughs> and wonderful locations, and then I wish I was there. And if you want to follow me on my Instagram, it's, at Victoria Stillwell, one L in the middle of Stillwell. And then, of course, Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. Twitter. If you want to follow me on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash Victoria Stillwell. And on Twitter, it's at Victoria S. Um, um, you're on Twitter too. I'm on Twitter, Holly for, for CNN. Mm-hmm. And then on Facebook, um, I do have, I got to get better. It's Holly Furfer, but I don't keep up my page. It's just too hard. I have a personal page and Facebook's a lot harder. But what I do is when I travel, I, I try to do it where Twitter can be my fun, like, you know, here's what's on my mind. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you saw my last Twitter, my last tweet. And sometimes I try not to be too irreverent, but sometimes it doesn't work. And so, um, like, for instance, my last tweet, let me, let me, I don't even know what I tweeted last. I put up, to be honest, I'm, it's called winging it. To be honest, I'm just winging it. Life, motherhood, my eyeliner, everything. Like, that's just like when I have a moment, I'm like, that's it, right? And, and when I say motherhood, I mean like for babyhood. And then, um, that's motherhood. Yes. 
that in a certain way, yes, especially now. And then on my Instagram is where I try to do, you know, pretty pictures and stuff. Because here's here's my deal. I was in um, New Zealand last fall, and my photographer's like, "Are you on Instagram?" I'm like, "Oh no, I got so much stuff to do." I, he's like, "Oh, you know," I'm like, "What are all the kids doing it?" And he's like, "Yeah," because he's younger. He's in his you know early late twenties, early thirties. And so I was like, "Oh, I got to get an Instagram." And I went on, and it's all the, it's really pictures, and it's beautiful pictures. It's not you know. So now the pressure, so every time I go somewhere, I'm like, oh, I have to do this one for Instagram, this one for Twitter, this one for Facebook. And then part of me is like, oh, wait, I have a job. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it does. But it, you know, I, I, I love it because you see really cool things yeah. and you keep up with people and you can see what they're doing. And that's why I love my Facebook page. And if, if you guys listening and not on my Facebook page, do come on my page because yeah, great. we have a lot of really great information there, not just training tips, but great articles, relevant stories. And um, we have lots of discussions out there. People don't always agree with me. That's fine. You're free to disagree as long as you do it in a respectful way. Um, and, you know, we, we post really relevant stuff and we have a great conversation there. And you have good, great videos there. It's also feel-good videos. You are positively. And by the Absolutely. way, if you hear this creaking, that's me. I'm just getting older. Yes. yes. It's my headphones. I think they've been sitting for so long. We'll yeah. have to get some WD-40 on them. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, we will. Sorry about the creaking. But um, then you know who's who's uh, who's breathing and who's Yeah, <laughs> who's <laughs> we're still here. Tell, tell us about, because we know that um, there's a lot of people there whose animals are getting older. Mm-hmm. I have a 15-year-old Labrador, chocolate Labrador, Sadie, and she's got arthritis and she's creaky and she's amazing she loves her walks she's deaf now she looks great oh is she She deaf she's deaf and um not not she's partially deaf but nearly right nearly um and her sight isn't so good but her nose is just as good as ever (laughs) i keep taking videos again i put those on instagram yes i saw them wonderful dog smelling and she says she loves her walks but then now you have two dogs that are getting older and yeah. Kashmir was diagnosed with cancer wasn't she last year and that, uh, we had talked about that yeah actually believe it or not two years four months ago two and a half years ago mm-hmm. are you kidding it was two yeah. and a half years ago see that time is going by so fast. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, because um, it, it, Sean was in Las Vegas. I set him there for his 40th. He's 42 now. And um, she has leiomyosarcoma, which is um, it's uh, cancer of the soft tissue. And they don't really know. Like, you know, of course, I've done a ton of research. They don't know a lot about it. They don't think it's genetic, but they don't really know what causes it. Some dogs just, you know, you have a bad, you know, health lottery like some people. Um, and so her cecum, which is sort of like your appendix is how they described it to us, had burst. And it was a cancerous mass and it seeded. But we had done chemo with her and she, you know, Knockwood uh, had done really well with it. And we went back every three months for the first year for checkups. Her scans were clean. And for the second year, every six months for checkups and her scans were clean. And then uh, we did another checkup six months later. This was two years and four months after the original chemo, and the cancer was back. And it actually had spread. Now she has many masses, and it had gone to her lymph nodes, which is a really fast cancer because it was six months, and she had a clean scan, you know, or that may have been undetectable, but obviously something was happening. So, you know, our vet, who is wonderful, uh, Dr. Hamilton at Blue Pearl, a lot of people know they're vet specialists there. They have cancer. They have oncology. He, uh, you know, said, look, you gave her two years, four months, which is a long time because with this kind of cancer, it's not a curable cancer, but they hope to basically keep her in remission. We want to now treat it if we can like a chronic disease. So he said she's healthy enough. She's only 10 so that they would, you know, if we wanted to do it again. And dogs are different. What I didn't know is dogs are different than humans with cancer. Only 10% of dogs get sick or lose their hair or have reactions like humans do. So uh, the first time she handled it, 
just fine. And they said, you know, since she handled it fine, if you want to try it again, she handles it fine. You take her to chemo. She hates it because it's the vet and she doesn't like to sit there. The worst is when she gets home, she's tired because she was stressed out. That's really all that it is. Um, but physically, she's, you know, doing great. She was overweight. She was, <laughs> she's supposed to be like around 70, 73 pounds. And she might have been, or 65 to 70, maybe, but she might have been like, you know, 79. Mm-hmm. She was actually obese. Uh, and so we went to a vet nutritionist. And now cashmere eats better than anybody I know. Uh, she's now down to 73 pounds, 74 pounds. She's lost a lot of weight. Um, she's handling knock on wood the chemo well. Um, she's doing six treatments. We just did a scan before treatment number four to make sure that it's working. No sense putting her through it if it's not. And the vet said he everything he was hoping for was working. Um, the masses have not spread. It's not gone to, into her lungs or her liver, which is what they were concerned with, especially, I guess, the lungs with this kind of cancer. So he said it's the best they could have hoped for. So we're keeping her going. And then after that, uh, you know, we'll figure it out from there what we do at that point. You know, whether it's it's just going to be a chronic, you know, we may be able to give her cancer pills to keep it at bay. I don't know that because I asked, do they shrink? Do they go away? I don't think they do uh, at this point. Now it's just making, giving her, you know, I said, look, if we have to do this every year or two that she can handle and she's fine with it, we'll do whatever while she's comfortable and happy. And she's happy, boy. She gets uh, her meal is, you know, every day, every meal she gets a a cup and a half of a protein. So this week it's pulled pork and last week it was chicken and the week before it was ground turkey. She gets a half a cup of mixed veggies. So we did broccoli and spinach and squash and I put a, a little bit in shiitake mushrooms and I put a little bit of chicken broth in there for her for taste. And then she gets a quarter cup of lentils, which I do sometimes in a pork au jus. And then she gets like fish oil and curcumin and turkey tail mushroom powder and a centrum every day. And like, and it's amazing, like her meals. And then Sean and I are like, well, you want a frozen pizza or do you want, let's see, we've got some uh, Totino's here. Like that's just that's but, so, what know, we she, would do for our animals, that right? That dog definitely eats better than, better than I do. Oh my gosh. Than most people. I don't really my... cook like that. And you should see me no. on Sundays. It's like, someone's like, oh, are you having company? I'm like, nope, just making her meals for the well, week. Well, there you go. You see, that's the, that's the dedication. We just love our, our animals yes. and that's what we'll do for them. Now, um, it's interesting because what you, you told me a couple of weeks ago that you'd noticed some kind of different behavior in Barnsley. And that's what I want to talk a little bit yes. about now, um, about how you can maybe recognize signs of pain in your dog. Yes. Tell us about what happened with Barnsley. So to back up a little bit, when this first happened with Cashmere a few years ago, um, I didn't really know what was going on. Um, I just knew something was wrong with her. And I tried to bring her in and she wouldn't come in the house. And it was raining out and she was sitting under the tree and she wouldn't come in and she was up on a hill and she was panting a lot and she was like scrinching her face. And every once in a while she would shiver and then she would breathe heavy and pant and then she would shiver and I went online to look because I didn't know my husband was out of town and that's a sign of pain so that's when I took her to the vet so then I was aware of it so a couple weeks ago on a Sunday night uh, or Sunday afternoon Barnsley was acting weird it was the Sunday before the eclipse and we were laughing thinking well maybe it's the eclipse maybe it affects animals you know how storms they can tell something's happening who knows but he came inside he wouldn't come up the stairs and then he was acting kind of weird and he was limping a little bit, but he's very klutzy. And sometimes he just limps a little. And he's just, he's hes an odd dog, as we know, but we love him. And uh, we brought him up the stairs and Sean said, something's not right with him. And he's doing that shivering thing like Cashmere did. And I said, nope, that's pain. And it was about eight o'clock at night. So we finally said, that's it. We're taking him to the vet. We took him up there and they looked at him because we had been afraid maybe he busted a knee or something. You know, you can tear a knee just like a human can. And the vet said, looks like... He's uh, uh, almost 11, 
or he's 11 now, it's arthritis is setting in, looks like, in the back hips and the knees. So they put him on anti-inflammatories, and now we have an appointment with our vet in a few weeks to see what's going, you know, to make sure that's what it is. But, yeah, it was the shivering, and I would not have known that if not for cashmere, but that is a big sign. It's the panting, it's the grimacing, the drooling, and then that shivering, intermittent shivering is what that pain sign was. Well, yeah, there is quite a lot of ways that you can figure out if your dog is in pain, and but sometimes they're hard. Sometimes the, the changes in behavior or your dogs are so good at covering their pain and showing their pain, sometimes you know their pain can go on for a long time before you even notice it. Well, and that's um, the, when you mention behavior, that's right. Um, before the shivering started earlier in the day, he was acting weird, and he sometimes will go up and lay in my closet. He likes a dark space, especially when the storm's coming or something, but he got in the shower. I had just taken a shower, and he went in the shower, and he hates the shower, and he wouldn't come out. I was like, what are you doing standing in there? So he was exhibiting odd behavior. He was just standing there panting, looking at me, and to get him out, I turned the shower on, and I got him out of the shower, and then he was just being really weird, so mm. that was... Did you say there was a storm happening at that time? No, the raining? next day was the eclipse. But oh, sometimes when there's a storm coming, he'll go into the closet or he'll do something. Okay. But it was a beautiful day, you know, the night before here. You know, it- right, of course. So, so okay, there's um, my friend at Louise Swindlehurst. She's from the Canine Massage Guild. She's a canine massage therapist. She, she writes, so there's very five subtle ways dogs show their own muscular pain. One is gait change. So um, gait is the way a dog moves. Mm-hmm. And a dog will only change the way they walk and move for a reason. So mm-hmm. limping, lameness, hopping even, th- hopping, throwing a leg, gra- uh, crabbing, which is elbowing out, stiffness. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it might be very subtle so you don't see it or it, suddenly you might be able to see it and go, okay, that dog, yeah. there's, there's something happened. Second thing is change in behaviors. So you noted that there's something very odd that Barnsley did yeah. that he hadn't normally done. And uh, they can become grumpy. Did you notice mm. any more grumpiness? Any more? Because, you know, Barnsley yeah. has his issues. But well, did you notice that he was a bit more grumpy than usual? Yeah, and sometimes he tries to get Cashmere to play and he had no interest. And same thing on the other side where when Cashmere, before she got sick, he wanted to play with her and she would just sit and growl at him like, get off me, I don't want to yeah, play. Yeah, they can, you know, that they're, they're aggression. It'll feel good, yeah. Exactly, aggression as well. So they might just not be their usual self. Mm-hmm. They might curl up a lot and just not want to interact. So mm-hmm. a dog that was really into interacting is now not in, not into that. Um, this posture change. Dog's back mm-hmm. is arching or going concave. So the dog can arch. It's called roaching or going concave. It's called sway back. It could be very subtle. And I know when um, Jasmine has a stomachache, her back arches. And oh. I now know that she has a stomachache when she does that. So coat flicks. Did you realize that? What? Probably the subtlest symptom of what muscular pain of all. Patterns often form in the dog's coat, which oh. mirror the shape of the muscle underneath. So it makes perfect what? sense because when a muscle is injured and unable to perform correctly, it creates a pull on the skin above it. The hairs of the coat grow from the skin. If the muscle is very tight, yeah. this may inhibit blood flow to the skin, causing poor circulation. So the coat can often become dry and coarse in a certain area of the dog's body. So if Look at your dog's coat. Yeah. Don't worry. If your dog's got a swirl here or there mm-hmm. or, you know, a dry patch here or there, it might not be pain. But if it's something that you see that's just come on or that it's different, get to know your dog's coat and what way it lies. And if you see a swirl, if you see it standing up somewhere, then be aware of it. Now, with Sadie, for example, I know when sometimes she's um, 
where the pain is because sometimes at the base of her tail, mm-hmm. the hair will suddenly stick up. I know that I need to massage that area a little bit because she's feeling pain in that area. I also notice different coat swirls along her in her coat um, at various points, especially around her hips. And mm-hmm. I know she's having a particularly difficult day. Also dry hair, that kind of thing. So look Good for that. Know. And no then, idea. of course, a dislike of being groomed. So yeah. if you had, there touched. are some dogs that don't like to be touched or groomed or anything like that. Now, it, that's, it could be because they're pain or they're sensitive or it tickles mm-hmm. when you touch them. But um, if you've had a dog that's been fine with grooming and now all of a sudden isn't, that's a, don't force it. Please don't force it. Don't think, oh, the dog's trying to be dominant or the dog's trying to be stubborn or whatever. Don't force it. That dog's trying to tell you something. So that not wanting to be touched, not wanting to be groomed is a sign of it. So there's just hmm. five ways. And then, you know, pain dogs that start to maybe salivate a little bit and mm-hmm. shake and shiver like you saw. It's that intermittent, like what just yes, comes on like a, a little bit you know, of a shudder. Yeah. Um, then also something I notice when I touch Sadie um, sometimes and I just even touch her, she, there's a little kind mm. of flinch, not with her head, but just mm-hmm. in her skin. Yeah. And so that I realize that that's a very sensitive area. So then I'll go again and I'll touch again and then and then she seems to be fine with it. But you know, we've really got to recognize not just the major changes you can see, but also the subtler changes right. when your dog's in pain. Right. I agree because, you know, the whole thing is with Kashmir, when her cecum burst, I knew there was a problem and something had happened, but we weren't 100% sure. You know, I, I didn't know it was just something, but, you know, had I missed signs beforehand that something was happening, did it just happen that day? I wish I would have known because I would have gotten her right to the emergency vet that she ended up going to as opposed to, you know, we took her to a different vet and, you know, so it does, it's, it would have saved us a lot of money too and a lot of time, so... Well, she's great. She's got a great, you know, you are great guardians for her. I mean, she couldn't be in a better place, really, could she? Thank you. Well, hopefully not. At least least she's eating well. (laughs) There's that. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizard of genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what What the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Well, I used to say nobody could put Holly in a corner, but you did. <laughs> What's really funny is... For this segment, Ask Victoria, um, on our podcast, we also are recording this because it goes where? We put it on different things on our Facebook and stuff. It's it's, it's a nice little segment by itself. So you can see us as well as listen to us. Uh, and normally we're like at a table together, but we have a little different setup. And so Victoria's right there, which you can't see to my right. And yeah, and she's, and so whatever, but I'm in the, I'm really in the corner. I mean, this is not a lie. It's in the corner, but you know what? I kind of like it here. It's kind of dark. Our I feel studio kinda... is small. It's small, but it's cozy. Yeah. And it's friendly. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know I was going to be on camera, thus this. So whatever. You look all pretty with lip gloss. And no, I'm I like, I no. got my Yeti full of coffee. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, uh, I love this part because I learned so much, um, about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get to Ask Victoria, where we ask you what we need to do. All right. Our first question is from, let's see here, plus I'm in the dark in the corner, Rachel from Virginia. And so Rachel says, hi, my newly adopted dog is very avid about other dogs. Uh, he enjoys being around them, but he's pushy and does a lot of mounting. 
That's a good way to put that. Um, and other behaviors commonly called dominant. Uh, he can be more rambunctious than other dogs prefer. So what should I teach him about appropriate greetings and play? I want him to enjoy other dogs. I don't want to keep him isolated, but I don't want him to instigate a fight with his manners. He's more gentle with small dogs. He's an American Staffordshire or Bull Terrier type, neutered, and about two years old. And then uh, she says, thanks. That's Rachel from Virginia. So... What do we do about that? Rambunctious play. Mm. And you know, it's the tip of that's why I love bullies, because bully breeds are very extrovert, most of them. And they they don't really understand personal space. It's like my Sadie. She's not a stavageable terrier or a bully right, right. breed. She's a lab, but she's like, she doesn't understand personal space. She's got to be in your personal space. And that's the same with the stavageable terriers and the bully breeds is that they're, 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 they're sort of unleashed, as it were, mm-hmm. and they and that's sometimes wonderful, especially when they're playing with dogs of their own ilk. But not so great when they play with other dogs that might see their behaviour as being rude. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, there is there's there's a code between dogs when they're playing. It's a social code, mm-hmm. and. If you break that code or if you don't understand that code, then things can get out of hand. And play, let's just talk about play for a little bit. Play is really mock battle, if you think about it. It's sparring. Mm -hmm. And really healthy play is when one dog is on top having a go at the other in a play way. Mm -hmm. And then then that dog that's been on top now gets put down on the on the ground and the other dog's standing over and then they run around and they do and that's kind of good back and forth play and people like to say one is being dominant and the other is being submissive that's rehearsal of behavior you could look at it like that but when there's give and take like that it's really really healthy mm-hmm. the problem happens is when behaviors or actions during play can be scary or interpreted as something different Mm -hmm. and or whether the player becomes aroused. I'm not talking in a sexual way. I'm talking Mm -hmm. just aroused, highly excitable, so excited. And then they can't, they can't control themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's when sometimes humping happens. So now we have to look at humping. Mm -hmm. Why do you think dogs hump? I mean, when in the, in the non-sexual way? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, personally, my two dogs, one dog will do that to the other one when he wants to get her going. He wants, when she doesn't want to play, he's like, come on, let's go, let's go. And he, he just wants to spur something. Yeah, I, I love it. There's so many reasons why dogs hump. So many reasons why. And um, that is one of the reasons. Come mm. on, let's play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasmine, who's my chihuahua, will hump my Labrador um, whilst my Labrador is lying down and chewing on a bone. Hmm. And why will she do that? Because she wants the bone. Oh. Because she wants attention. She's trying to distract her or get attention or something to so get her away from the bone. Or she's just kind of annoyed she's got the bone, that Sadie's got the bone and she doesn't. So she wants to get it. So she humps like that. Dogs will hump when they are frustrated. Hmm. They will hump to control movement as well. So if somebody comes into the house and then they might jump up on a leg and hump to control movement to cope with a changing environment, something that they're not comfortable mm-hmm. with. They will hump just from pure excitement. Mm-hmm. They might hump because it's a bitch in heat and it is a sexual behavior. And yes, they might hump 
to be dominant. Ugh. I said this on a radio show. I was on the Graham Norton radio show <laughs> in England this past summer. And uh, and I, I mentioned the D word in connection with humping. Well, I might as well have said euthanize every dog in what? town. Because the outcry from people is like, you can't say dogs. You can't say that humping dogs are dominant. You can't say that. The reason that people are annoyed about it is because dominance has become such a dirty word because it's mm. been so misused. Mm -hmm. And to explain everything that a dog does wrong is dominance. But... When you look at it, dominance is a social relationship between species. So, um, and that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not your dog wants to come in your household and take over, uh, you know, as head of the household, as so many people have said right, uh, right. That, that it is. And lots of people believe that theory, which is ridiculous. No, it's not. But it is a social relationship between species. And yes, sometimes when dogs hump, sometimes they are trying to be dominating. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So it brings me back now to this issue that they're having here of how do you allow dogs to interact and to greet and to play without humping or without that your dog doing rude behavior and unsocial behavior that could be irritating to another dog that could frighten another dog could cause fights how do you do it well first of all you don't take them to a doggy daycare you don't take them to a dog park you start one-on-one -on -one. And that's why I always encourage people who have dogs that are maybe not such great greeters is to get some doggy friends who are very low key mm -hmm. and practice some greeting behaviors. And we do the three second greeting. So what we do is that, you know, you walk the dogs towards each other in a nice arc, actually not directly like that, but sort of in an arc. So the dogs can come and do a little facial greeting. Mm -hmm. Hello. And then off you go. You take them and it's all on leash. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's called the three second. It's like a drive by. Mm -hmm. you know? And then maybe if that's good, then you start to increase it. Okay, and you so, so that's how your dog should greet other dogs on leash. If they're too crazy off leash, don't don't allow them to rehearse the behavior by having the dogs off leash. Have them on leash first and then see and then allow that kind of crazy excitement to die down. And then maybe potentially you can take the dog off the lead. And allow their dogs to interact without being held back by their owners. So that's the way I would do a greeting. But I would only take them off the lead if I know that my dog has calmed down or has now had a lot of experience of greeting dogs on the lead. And is now to a place where it can inhibit its own behavior and then interact off lead in a good way. Um, if you see humping, if the other dog does not mind the humping. And there's a little bit of humping and then it stops and then they continue play. That's good. It's fine. Don't intervene. But if you have a dog, your dog is humping and the other dog does, uh, is terrified of it or is trying to get them off or tries to run away and practice avoidance, that's where you need to step in mm -hmm. and you need to put your dog on the lead and take them away. And uh, a re good recall is really important. So you can see this I've been talking a lot, a, a long time about it, but this one behavior, yeah, this one question mm -hmm. has so many components on how you treat it. And that is why I'm so against the old dominant style training because the old dominant style training is you just tell your dog off. Well, that's not going to solve anything. Right. You've got to give your dog skills. I'm all about teaching dog life skills and greeting and 
effective play and giving your dog life skills in the fact that this behavior is rude, there have to be boundaries, is a much bigger thing than just treating it in situation. I know that was a very long answer to the no, question. No, but it, it makes sense. When you when you do correct the behavior, is there a, a command you want to give them? Like, you know, you have a leave it command or a come or something like that? Not or really. There... I'd rather not use it because remember, sometimes you can make things worse when you intervene when two dogs are interacting and you correct one. Mm-hmm. It can make things worse. What I might do is a distraction or the recall. Mm-hmm. which I could do. So I'm not going in and going, bah, 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 you're not allowed to do right. that. I'm I'm giving the dog another action to do, which is turn around and come to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you kind of, there's, I'm not going in into the interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm pulling away from the interaction, not pulling gotcha. away, but yeah, I'm asking the dog attention. to come yeah, away. And so when the dog is away from the action, then I can put the dog on the leash and take it away if I need to. You see what I mean? Yep. Going in there sense. can fuel the fire. Uh, or it can interrupt really important signaling. Mm-hmm. Okay, good to know. All right, hopefully that answers the question, Rachel. This one is from Elgin in the UK, and this says, can you help? Which I'm sure you can. Uh, our dog is great during the day, and we have no problems with leaving him. However, night is awful. We keep him on a routine and get him uh, to go out for a pee before we turn in. Then the constant squeaking starts. This goes on and on. We've tried ignoring him. Then he starts barking, and it's causing problems. What would you suggest? Possibly another dog for company. What do you think? Is this? They said this is at night. Mm-hmm. Because the, the uh, Elgin says the dog's great during the day when it's by itself, or maybe when it's not going to sleep and there's other people around and activity is what I'm reading. But I wonder where the dog dark. sleeps. I wonder where the dog sleeps. Hmm. Dogs are social animals, and mm-hmm. so, and it sounds like you have a dog that doesn't really like being by itself at nighttime. And where does your dog sleep? Does it sleep in a crate downstairs, in a bed downstairs? Is it allowed in your room? Uh, I don't know. You see, it depends on how people-centric your dog is. If your dog is really connected to you, you could get another dog, you get 500 dogs, and the dog wouldn't care because it's still connected to you. Or really is it, you know... Um, that your dog is, your dog would like another companion. So, I mean, sometimes that can work. Other times it doesn't really. But where does your dog sleep at night? And is there anything that's keeping your dog up? Any smells, sights, sounds that's keeping your dog up? Any sounds in the neighborhood um, that, you know, your dog is maybe a light sleeper and responding to? Uh, when you leave the house, can you put a video on or do you have a video camera or webcam that you can see what your dog's behavior is like when you leave the house? And maybe it means that you're going to have to change your dog's sleeping area. You see, when dogs don't get good sleep at night, it's the same for when people don't get good sleep at night. And then they become anxious and they can become moody during the day. No sleep is really bad for dogs as it's really bad for humans. So look at the environment that the dog is sleeping in. Are there drafts where you put the dog bed? Is there, does the dog not like its crate? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? You know, look at all of these factors. And if you can have your dog in the room with you, create a nice little dog bed next to your bed or somewhere in the room. And I think your dog is going to sleep much better. If you can't have your dog in the room with you, then maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe it is creating an area where, um, you know, your dog can see you, but it's not actually in the room with you. Or it, it might be getting another dog. But don't think that getting another dog is going to solve this problem. 
Okay, let's go to Carolyn in New York now. And Carolyn wants to know about her year-and-a-half-old golden retriever. She said, we've taken him to training classes, and he knows the basic commands. When people come to visit, he gets extremely anxious. I've tried putting him on a leash, giving him frozen Kongs to keep him busy, but nothing works. He will not calm down. He pants and he gets beside himself even after our guests are here for a long period of time. If we crate him, he can see the guests and just continues to pant and cry. He's calm with just our family, but hyper with guests. I couldn't find any videos on your site about this, so please help. And again, that's Carolyn in New York. Um, I'm wondering, is he hyper and panting because he's getting too excited and he wants just to be with the guests? It sounds more like that he is getting freaked out about them. Um, new people coming to the house. How is he with strangers outside? Is he better with strangers outside? How social is he? Does he greet other people outside? Do you take him with you in the car? Do you take him to friends' houses? How does he respond like that, or is it just in the home? These are the kind of questions that I would ask, plus mm -hmm. hundreds more, so I can get a <laughs> yeah. better picture of behavior. I like the fact that you give the frozen Kong. I like the fact that you, you know, you give your dog other stuff to do. Um, the problem that people, or I could guess the things that people maybe not do wrong, but don't um, think about. Yeah, they don't think about is that if you just give that treat, the frozen Kong, when people are coming into the house, that almost becomes a trigger. So give that delectable, delicious treat at other times when the dog is just hanging out with you and comfortable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, so, and, and then, and still then use it when people come in the house. I, I think a crate is not the great, the greatest thing is, is your house configured in a way where you could maybe put your dog behind a baby gate because dogs that are anxious, especially when people come into the home, get more anxious when they're confined because they lose control. They lose that ability to control their environment. Think about it. You've taken choice away from them. You've said, well, your behavior, you're too anxious, so I'm actually going to confine you more and take even more choice. When we take choice or autonomy away from dogs that are nervous, they can become even more nervous because you give them no place to go. You give them no other option. So um, even a crate with the Kong, Kong is going to be fine for a while. But what we want to have is maybe a baby gate, a safe zone that the dog can go into. And that's a room with the baby gate so that the dog is behind the baby gate, okay? And still with some toys, maybe some puzzle toys and everything. But maybe what I'd like you to do is before the people come in, if your dog likes to go walking, could you take your dog out for a walk first with the people that are about to come into your home? I'm not talking uh, workers or anything. That's a different deal. Your dog just needs to go in a room behind a baby gate. But I feel like your dog might be better if you actually take your dog for a walk with different people and do that with your guests, tell your guests, look, I'm training my dog and he goes through this. Do you mind if we go for a five-minute, ten-minute walk before we come into the house? Most people who are your friends will say, yeah, sure. And then you go out for a walk and take them and then you all come in. That takes the angst. I've had real success with doing that with a lot of these anxious dogs that are frightened of people coming to their homes because then they see they're in an environment where there's more space mm -hmm. and then they see these people are okay and then, you know, maybe the people truck them a few treats or something 
or um, when they come into the house, the person gives them a toy. Now they're beginning to have good associations with these people, not just outside, but inside the house as well. Try that. Could it be um, even to, because the dog's so young, that the dog is just excited when new people come in? Because, you know, you get used to your family, and it's like, yeah. oh, my God, somebody new, somebody new. Like, yeah. think about the attention, especially if you're not exposed to a lot of new people that the dog's just like, oh, my God, I want your attention. I want even, you know, it's like a, a little kid. And even if they're there for four hours through dinner, they still want attention because you're still new. Yeah, you yes, know? it could be. That's what I'm saying. Is it is it frustration, anxiety, lack of attention, ex- excitement, frustration? If, it sounds like, but the whining, the the whining, the whining is... He won't calm down it, and he pants and gets beside give away, himself. And the panting and everything, that that is that does it's indicate that it's stress. Okay. So I feel like act, low energy activity is mm-hmm. good for stress. A lot of people make the mistake of going and throwing a ball for their dog for five minutes and then realize where their dog's not calming down. Um, it's because you're actually even sometimes compounding the stress, up. making it worse because you are hyping him up with a really high energy activity. And, and then you don't give the dog time to come down from that high energy activity. So what we say is we do sort of more low energy activities like the Kong, which I love what you're doing with that, uh, or a puzzle toy, giving your dog different things to do. What about um, taking the dog for, you know, earlier in the day, taking him for a long walk just to kind of tire him out and get his senses sort of dulled because, you know, oh, look at this, look at this. And then when they get home, they're a little tight, you know, would that work? Maybe? Absolutely. You can take that. Um, dog senses... Definitely, you know, every day. Because I see walks not just as an opportunity to physical for physical exercise, but every day your dog is out. Mm-hmm. The smells are different. Mm-hmm. Whether you're walking in the same part of your neighborhood and you walk the same part of your neighborhood every time, there's a different scent signature out there all the mm-hmm. time because there's different people walking past and different dogs walking past. And so it's... It's a whole new newspaper. Dogs have new nose newspapers every day <laughs> when they go outside. And so, yes, absolutely. I don't think they dull the senses, but I think it does give them that ability to go out and kind of get all of that mm-hmm. great mental stimulation, that physical exercise, so that they are a little calmer mm-hmm. when they come inside. Lots to do there. Okay, let's get to the last question. I think we can get one more in. This is from Julia in Washington, and she says, I was wondering if you had any advice or simple steps on getting a dog used to water so they can have stress-free baths. (laughs) I do that only because, you know, every dog, like, and this is what I don't understand. Like, I have dogs, and, you know, especially when I had a yellow lab, and he wanted to go swimming all the time, right? And then I put him in the bathtub, and it was like I was torturing him. Like, what? It's like you don't want to, you know, dogs hate when you blow on their face, yet they'll stick their face out the car window. Like, what is... It's the it's my Sadie, same, same thing. Yeah, she, she's a lab. She loves swimming. She loves water. But my gosh, if we ever use the hose, mm-hmm. then, um, like, sometimes I've had to have the hose to hose her feet. Yeah. Sometimes. And I'm as gentle as anything about it. She... Hates it. You might. I really might as well be torturing her yeah, by seriously, like, using a bit of that water. If you want to put me in a warm bath and rub me down, I'd be like, "Thank yes. you. This is awesome." And the dog's like, "You're trying to kill me." Yeah, exactly. So that's yes, it's a problem. All right. So now your dog doesn't like water bathing. Hmm. You go slow. And gosh, I've had so many dogs that that don't like water. Temperature. Make sure the temperature is not too cold or hot or too hot. So the temperature has to be right. And I think even the same thing for 
You know how with a baby you do check your temperature with mm-hmm. your elbow? I do that with dogs too mm-hmm. because you can feel more of the temperature with your elbow. I don't know whether that's a little too much, but I do it mm-hmm. anyway. And um, and then what I'll do is I'll get a bathing glove, mm-hmm. a grooming glove. I'll put it in water. I'll have just have a bucket of water close. I'll put the glove in water and then I'll start stroking the dog. Okay. Um, and then gradually more and more water goes on the glove. So in fact, I can get the dog quite wet by doing that. And as I'm doing that, ah, delicious food is coming from the other hand. Oh, yummy, yummy. Now this is the best thing. And I reserve the really good stuff. So if the dog's more toy orientated, then I'm going to put some stuff in the toy. I'm going to hold the toy with one hand. So he's licking, getting that stuff out whilst I'm doing the water. Okay, then gradually maybe I get to a point where I can have the hose just by. If it's really, really hot outside and that water in there is warmish, and then maybe just put a little bit, you know, put a little bit of the hose on the dog. Or if it's a shower situation, which I prefer if the dog is inside and it's a shower situation, then I'll do that with a shower head. Um, and of course, it's got to be one that's a mobile shower head. Mm-hmm. And that's, I just gradually build it up like that. I just make it a positive thing. And if I don't get very far, uh, you know, the glove thing might take a couple of days just with the glove. If I don't get very far in one uh, sitting, uh, which normally I don't because I do it maybe three minutes and then maybe I'll do four minutes or five minutes or maybe I'll do 30 seconds depending on the dog's reaction. Anyway, I don't go too far too fast and I gradually build it up so that now... The washing, the hose, the um, faucet, anything becomes, okay, this is good. Dog might not necessarily love it, but it loves the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Don't go too fast because <clears throat> as soon as you pressurize, then the dog regresses. But there's such a thing called the emergency wash, which I have discovered. And the emergency wash is, let's say your dog has an accident and then treads in its poop. It's the middle of the night. It's 4.30 a.m., <laughs> And your dog is not well and has diarrhea all over the house and walked in it and everything. Now you've got the emergency wash. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll reserve like peanut butter for that. I'll put in the end of a wooden, a wooden uh, spoon. I'll just put a bit of, and then I'll be doing that whilst I'm washing the dog. Yeah. If I have to use the hose or something mm-hmm. like that. So reserve something that could be used in emergencies. You know what? I also, um, my dogs, we do it a bath. We have one of those big garden tubs, you know, with, mm-hmm. and the one thing I, I think I've noticed is that when I have the water, cause I used to have the water running and then I would bathe them so that I could, you know what? And I think the noise freaks them out a little bit. And when I stop the water and just have the bath water in there, it's a lot more calmer for them. And then also, too, it's a two-person job, especially when you have big dogs. My husband will sit outside the tub and, you know, wa- you know, pet their faces and talk to them and calm them down and distract them while I'm going really fast. So yeah. sometimes it thinks it's the aud- audible. Yes, I think so as well. Um, I always like to have, yeah, the bath prepared as mm-hmm. well if I'm actually doing bath time. But um, depending on how big your dog is as well. Yeah. Do you have a mat in your bath? Because the slippery, yeah, the slipperiness yeah. of the bath on the bottom can cause dogs to become really freaked out. But also, if you can get a bath, an outside bath like you're talking about, and better still, if you can invest in one that actually has a side door which opens yeah. so the dog, you don't have to lift the dog in or the dog doesn't have to jump in and the dog can just walk in. You've got a nice mat there. That's how I actually went from doing the, the wet glove mm-hmm. To just allow the dog to experience walking into the bath, 
I had some treats on the bath floor. And they walked into the bath. There was no water in there. And then they walked out again. And then I would just put a few treats there and I would gradually build up. So now the bath is becoming a great. And then um, I would lure the dog in there with a few treats and there's just a bit of water on the bottom. Then we gradually build it up. You see what I mean? Oh, my God. There's so many ways you can do it. But that's just a few little to, examples. It reminds me, um, I followed, you know, I've always wanted a pig. And I know we've talked about this, but I followed this pig on um, on YouTube. It was called Wilbur. And it was a Canadian family, and they documented it. was supposed to be a little pig. It apparently got bigger and bigger, but they had to bathe it. So as they would put it in the bathtub, and, you know, the pig hated to be bathed. So they would sprinkle Cheetos or and Cheerios in the bath, and the pig would sit there, and, you know, and so they could get him bathed while he's eating. Like, I mean, it was hysterical to watch. So Cheerios and Cheetos? As long as there's not soap. In there, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's a brilliant way. Distraction of any kind, just making it a better experience. Plus, I get a great video out of it. Well, that went like no time had passed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. When you... We are on our seventh season. Wow. Yeah. Our podcasts are really popular, and that's why we keep doing them. And uh, I, I'm just, I love it. You've yeah. done this for a long time. I know. I love it. I appreciate everybody who listens. But you know, it's good advice, and everybody. I mean, you can always learn. We're always learning more about dogs, and we're learning more about our interactions with them and actually learn about people with dog behavior. So there's always so much, something to talk about, something to say. My mother would keep saying to me, she'd be like, what else? I mean, how do you talk about dogs? Is there anything else to write about dogs? I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you could talk 24-7 yes. every day for the rest of your life and there would still be stuff to talk about when it comes to dogs. It's kind of like the animal videos. You know, there's always going to be another cat video on YouTube. There's always going to be another cute puppy video and you know what? They just keep coming. So as long as information keeps coming i guess we'll keep going we will see you on the next podcast so we're going to be talking um a lot about some really interesting things quite topical things perfect see you then thanks for tuning in to victoria stillwell's positively podcast for more information visit positively.com get connected on facebook and youtube as victoria stillwell or follow her on twitter at victoria s be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.